May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And it's a pleasure to be here with you all. And uh, we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to be reading from verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. For many years, I desired uh, to be in the military, especially in my high school years. I really wanted to uh, join the military. And I had considered at that time, around 18 years old, I wanted to join the army. Uh, but the Lord in his good providence uh, did not allow for that to happen. Um, what the Lord did allow was for uh, this beautiful girl from Michoacan, Mexico, to come all the way to Houston, Texas, and I meet her at a small church. And at 19, I was 19 years old, and we, we were married. And, uh, but fast forward several years, I had two daughters, Rachel and Elizabeth. And when I was 24, around that age, I was, I was struck with fever at work. And uh, I called my wife, and I told her, honey, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to, to the house. I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad. Uh, could we meet at my mom's house? So we did. Uh, she met me there at my mother's house, and... I remember falling asleep pretty early that evening. And uh, the next morning, I woke up, and it was, I had clarity. I had it as if it were an epiphany. And I was looking at my wife, and as she, as she woke up, my very first words to her were, honey, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> I mean, just out of nowhere. And, um, I mean, you could probably imagine what she was thinking. She's probably thinking, I just cared for you with a fever, and now you're going to leave me. <laughs> I mean, pretty drastic, right? And, and, you know, joining the Marine Corps is like nothing else. It was like nothing else. Uh, when you join the Corps, you, you leave behind your clothes. You give up your hair. Uh, you give up your family. You give up your your time and your recreation, and all in exchange for what? A group of drill instructors who are every day just yelling at you, reminding of you of how unworthy you are to be a part of that great gun club. And, uh, you know, you endure the cold, you endure the heat, exhaustion, hunger. You endure it all. Why? Why do people put up with that? Well, for me, it was simple. It was a worthy cause, very worthy cause. I'll tell you, when I graduated, I received uh, the emblem of the Eagle Globe and Anchor. And I remember taking off my cover. Uh, that's military talk for my hat. I removed my cover, took off the backing of that emblem. I secured that thing onto the cover, and I put on my cover back onto my head. And I, I, I re it hit me really hard then that I was standing in a line, a long line of tradition where men fought, bled, died in some of the most infamous battles of history. Such battles like um, this, a sulfuric volcano of an island called Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, frozen chosen reservoir, and even Bella Woods. I found something worth joining. I learned Marine Corps history. I was changed by its customs. I was changed by its courtesies. And then I had an interbranch rivalry with the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. We thought we were the best. 
and, we, and I bragged about the Corps. To me, the Marine Corps was worthy of my life. And in John, excuse me, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we see Jesus gaining in popularity. He's gaining more and more followers, and they're all the more eager to hear what Jesus has to say. Why was the popularity of Jesus growing? When Luke begins to show us at the crowd in verse 1, and just like a director, he pans over to Simon Peter. He zooms into the life of Peter. And through the interaction between Jesus and this crowd and Jesus with Peter, Luke narrates why Jesus gained this popularity. He, he shows us the worthiness of Jesus Christ. He shows us that Jesus is worthy to be heard. He shows us that Jesus is worthy to be obeyed. And he also shows us that Jesus is worthy to be followed. So let us contemplate on the worthiness of Jesus through the reading of Scripture. But before that, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've allowed us to be in your presence this morning. We thank you that you've allowed us, once who were sinners, lost without hope, to be here united and a part of the body of Christ to witness what Scripture has to tell us. And we ask, O oh God, that you would open our eyes to behold the grace of Jesus Christ and that we would be transformed by this wonderful grace. We ask these things in the blessed name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Worthy to be heard. That's what Luke tells us in these first three verses. We read in these verses, now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. He sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. We find Jesus by a lake that Luke calls Gennesaret. You see it on the map there. It's that area near Capernaum, also known as the Lake of Galilee. And it is here that we read of a crowd that had formed to hear Jesus speak. He was teaching the Word of God. And there are two things that stand out in these first three verses. We notice the eagerness of the crowd, and we also see the message of Jesus. We read that the people were pressing around Jesus. Now, Luke uses this Greek word, which we see pressing in Luke. He uses it two other times. One time he uses it in Luke to show us that, that scene where Pilate presents Jesus and Barabbas. He offers him the choice, which should I release and which should I crucify? And we read in the book of Luke how the crowd insisted, and there's that word, they insisted to free Barabbas and to crucify Jesus. And we see it one other time in the book of Acts when a storm had met Paul while he was on a, on, out on sea. And we read that the storm was 
beating. It was a sailing. And there's that word again. Translated differently, but it's the same Greek word. This word carries a sense that there was a great force behind the action. Just as the winds beat against that ship with great force, and just as the crowd with great force insisted for the death of Jesus Christ, so we have here a crowd that was forcing its way to hear Jesus speak. This was not a passive crowd. It was a crowd that was anxious and eager to hear Jesus speak. It was so great that Jesus had to get into Simon's boat and from there tell Peter to push off just a little ways so that he could effectively preach the kingdom of God. Not too long ago, there was a concert in Houston at Energy Park. Some of y'all might remember it from the news, a, a concert called Astroworld. And from early in the morning, crowds had formed and security began to progressively lose control of their checkpoints and of their barriers that they had set up. Early in the morning, minor injuries were reported. Not only that, but later in the afternoon, the Houston Fire Department logged how dangerous the nature of this crowd had become. And this all culminated in the evening when, unfortunately, you had eight people who died and over 300 injuries because they succumbed to what is known as human crush or crowd crush. And this is when people begin to experience asphyxiation by compression. Several news agencies noted that the restricted conditions from the pandemic contributed to the angst in the society and the people. They were just wanting to be loose, be free, and to have a good time. A local psychotherapist even went as far as to say that she knew absolutely that COVID had played a part in this human crush. And although Israel didn't go through COVID, they didn't have a pandemic, they did experience a famine of the prophetic voice. They went for hundreds of years without hearing the voice of God speaking to them through a prophet. In complicating the situation, you had religious leaders who did not rightly explain or expound the law of God. They spent more time teaching their own traditions and minimizing the word of God. But enter Jesus. He steps on the scene, and we see people find satisfaction in his teaching. What did Jesus, how did Jesus preach? Luke 4, 22, the previous chapter tells us that people were left wondering at the gracious words of Jesus. Several verses later, we see that the people were amazed because the teaching of Jesus was with authority. Several more verses later, we see that the people were in amazement and that they asked one another, what is this message? Because with great authority, with power, he commanded even the unclean spirits to leave and come out of people. The popularity of Jesus had grown to the point that in Luke 4, 42, the crowds at Capernaum tried to prevent Jesus from leaving. They were hungry. They were hungry for a teacher who taught God's word with authority and with power. Jesus was worth listening to. He was worth listening to because he did not teach 
as the religious leaders taught in his day, he's also worth listening to because of what he taught. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19 and 43 gives us knowledge of what he taught. We read that Jesus had proclaimed to have been anointed by the Spirit of God to deliver good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to provide recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. These are messianic signs. This is a message which the people had longed and hoped for, that the coming Messiah was here. And not only did he preach it, but he had signs to prove it. Signs which proved that he truly was the Messiah and that he was sent by God. Jesus was bringing a message of hope, a message of salvation which transformed people. And this further confirmed his claims. His message was that he was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who was commissioned by God to save God's people. The content of Jesus' teaching and the way in which he taught stirred in people eagerness, desire to hear the words of Jesus. But not only that, we look at his content. What message do you pay most attention to? What is it that we are listening to? It's so easy to feed our souls with the things of this earth. It's so easy to be consumed by social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. The supplies seem endless, where we could be lost for hours and hours. And at the end of the day, we're left the same. Many of us overconsume news, and there's no news like bad news. And they leave us wondering if there's any hope. Do we overconsume music? Even that music which is categorized as Christian is often empty of gospel truth. Looking at this crowd and the eagerness of the crowd, I hope that we are encouraged to search the words of Jesus Christ. Let us search for Christ who was prophesied in the Old Testament. Let us search for him in the Gospels, for they tell of his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection. Let us search for the words about Christ in the epistles that tell us of our union in Jesus Christ and how to live in Christ. The words of Christ and the words about Christ permeates the entirety of Scripture. And we should cling to those words. We should search those words. For they alone bring joy, hope, and they bring assurance that the sinner is saved through the works of Jesus Christ. Jesus is worthy to be heard. But if we stop there, we miss it all. Because not only is he worthy to be heard, but he's worthy to be obeyed. We read from verses 4 through 10, the first half of 10, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, 
but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. When Jesus had finished teaching, he gave interesting instruction. There's an imperative there. He told Peter to do something. Jesus told that boat that just served as a pulpit is now in a fairly strange way. It looks weird. And telling you how you're supposed to do your job. You have here a, a carpenter and a rabbi who is telling a professional fisherman how to fish. Very odd. Not only that, all night. was the optimal them. And here fishermen. Who's telling Peter, I know some of y'all probably wouldn't. It was Jesus who had healed. I know many might find reluctance in Simon's answer to Jesus. Of the gospel in his response. You see, Simon had worked from his own But Jesus had no one else had. This demonstration led Peter at the word of Jesus, Peter received was a great catch, so great that his boat began to sink. And even after they called his partners, their boats nearly sank as well. The words of Jesus are worthy to be obeyed. And it would be difficult to conclude that Simon Peter fully understood who Jesus was at this point. I don't think he truly understood that Jesus is the Son of God, the God-man incarnate. But you know what? His obedience serves as a rebuke for us who often don't obey. 
John Calvin wrote, for our sentiments of Christ do not render him sufficient honor unless we embrace his doctrine by the obedience of faith and know what it is that he requires of us. But as Peter yielded so readily to the command of Christ, whom he did not yet know to be a prophet, but the Son of God, no apology can be afforded for our disgraceful conduct if, while we call him our Lord, our King, and our Judge, we do not move a finger to perform our duty to which we have ten times received his commands. Interesting observation. Peter's obedience of Jesus also made very real to him who Jesus is. He revealed that this truly was a man of great authority. And we also ought to recognize our own unworthiness apart from Christ. But we also know that Jesus, who possesses all authority, also possesses much love and much kindness for those who are humble and come to him. And they should compel us to obey his loving commands towards us. Jesus is worthy to be heard because of his message and of his authority. He's worthy to be obeyed because of the authority he also possesses. Verses 10b through 11 also tells us that Jesus is worthy to be followed. We read in the last half of verse 10 through 11, Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The first thing that helps us understand why Jesus is worthy of being followed is in the way how Jesus transforms sinful people into workers of the kingdom of God. Peter recognized his sinfulness, and he recognized that he was not worthy to be in such close proximity to Jesus, who is obviously an agent of God. And that's true of us all. We don't deserve to be close to Jesus because our sinfulness has separated us from God. In our sinful state, we were alienated from God, and we were hostile in our minds towards God to the point that we were not even willing to submit to his law. This alienation and hostility results in every action of the unregenerated man to be tainted with hatred for God. In our sinful state, people are at enmity with God. And people in this natural state desire to do things which are contrary to the very nature of God and to do that which is unrighteous. Simon was right in recognizing his unworthiness to be in the presence of Jesus. Yet instead of being rejected or rebuked, Simon was met with the grace of Jesus Christ and he was transformed into a fisher of men. And it's, not, and it's very important that we do not forget so soon the previous night's failure. Jesus was contrasting Simon Peter's failure at capturing fish to the success that he will have in catching men by the authority of Jesus. In other words, Jesus was calling Peter to do in the power of the name of Jesus what he could not do in his own power with regular, common fish. 
And again, Peter here is representative of us. Jesus Christ calls us for kingdom work and to work in the power of his name, in the authority of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He calls us to do that which we cannot do in our own power. And this should excite us. It should move us to obey and to submit and to follow Jesus Christ and to do work for the kingdom. And if we have trouble understanding this, maybe it's because we don't rightly understand the importance of fish for a fisherman. Allow me then to use precious stones. We all value them. We give them as gifts to those whom we love. We accumulate them if possible to have wealth as a reserve. And I am sure that if I made the announcement that I created a machine that was able to convert the common stone into a precious diamond, I'm sure many would want to come and see if it were true. And if I were to prove it to be true, and I were to rent out the George R. Brown Convention Center and make the announcement on news that for all people to come and see this machine, I am sure I would pack it out. And if I were to tell someone in that crowd, hey, you go get me some common stones, find me some stones, and if you were to bring it back to me, put it in the machine, press that button, and watch the machine work and causing those common stones to become precious stones, I can guarantee that people and that center would flock out to the parks, to the highways, and to the byways looking for those common stones so that they could make diamonds and precious metals out of that. Well, I tell you that despite our sinfulness and despite our enmity with God, Jesus has extended his gracious hands towards us, and he's brought us into the kingdom, and he has called us to go out. He's called us to find these common stones and to bring them to him. We are called to go out into the mud. We're called to go out into the mire of sin, take rude stones, take common stones, these lost men, lost women and children, and by the glorious call of soul winner, transform them into diamonds which are worthy to be cast and set in our Savior's eternal crown. This is the call which Jesus gave unto Simon Peter. And likewise, we are called to work in the kingdom of God for the glory of God Jesus is worthy of following because of what he has made out of sinful people. But there is still yet another reason why Jesus is worthy of following. We read that Simon Peter left his boat. He left that great catch of fish which would have provided much income to him. He left those nets, the instruments of his profession. He left all of that which was of worth to him to follow Jesus Christ. This, my friends, shows the exceeding value of being called a disciple, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, he checked his math, and he carefully calculated. He considered the cost, and he counted, and he concluded that Jesus is worth more than all the possessions which he had, and Jesus is worth more than anything that we possess. We are called to love him above all things. We are called to follow him no matter the circumstance or the situation. 
And isn't it interesting that this same Simon Peter who left everything of worth to follow Jesus wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like gold or silver from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed by the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ Jesus is worth following. Luke has shown us that Jesus is worth being heard. He's worthy of being heard. He's worthy of being heard because of the content of his message and with the authority with which he preached. He proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Savior of his people, the Savior of the world. He was not like others who taught merely tradition. He's unique. He's one of a kind. No one but him fits that bill. And this should encourage us to learn about Jesus. And I encourage each one of y'all to seek out the words of Jesus Christ, whether it be in your small groups, where you speak of Jesus and learn of Jesus through community, or whether it be through prior devotion, private devotion and prayer, where we seek the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is worthy to be heard. Luke also shows us that Jesus is worthy of our obedience. We are to obey the words of Christ. We are to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus meek? Then we ought to be meek. Is he zealous for righteousness? Does he love righteousness? Then we too ought to love and be zealous for righteousness. Is Jesus holy? Then we too ought to obey and be holy. Not only that, but Jesus tells us, Luke tells us that he is worthy to be followed. Do we love things which affect our mission in our walk with Jesus Christ? The narrative compels us to abandon those things which we love more than Jesus. And we're to work for the kingdom. We're to use those gifts which Christ has given us through his Holy Spirit for the good of his kingdom and for the good of his people. Not all of us are called to abandon everything like Simon Peter did. That's, that was Simon's call. That was John and James's call. But our call might be to do Second Saturday. Our call might be to be a part of a small group or to lead one. Our call might be to help out some of those who are with special needs. I don't know what our call is, but we are called to obey. We are called to follow Jesus. The cause of Christ is infinitely greater. I love the Marine Corps. And I was willing to do many things for the Marine Corps. But there's just nothing quite like Jesus. I would give up my ribbons, my medals. I would give up all of the honors bestowed upon me to follow Jesus Christ. And I have, because he's worth it. I invite you to pray. Almighty God of heaven, 
We thank you that you loved us. And we have assurance that you, your love is from everlasting to everlasting. And we thank you that you have allowed sinners like us to behold Jesus Christ. And that your Holy Spirit would awaken our hearts, give us life to see our great need for Jesus Christ. He truly is wonderful. He truly is worthy to be heard, to be obeyed, and to be followed. And I ask, O oh Lord, that you would complete your will in us as your children. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen.